If you're new to our church, welcome to Fort Caroline. I'm Ricky. I'm honored to be the lead pastor here at Fort Caroline, and we love what God is doing in the life of this church, and we're thrilled that you are here, and we would love to be a part of your spiritual journey in any way that we can, so thank you for connecting with us. The messages in this series are on our website. They're also on our church YouTube channel if you'd like to catch up with those. Today, we're ending the series by talking about parenting. Last week, we talked about marriage. Today, we're talking about parenting. Now, if you don't have any children, you're probably thinking, why am I here? I could have slept in this morning. But if you, if you ever were a child, this will be a good message. Uh, if you know a child, uh, this will be a good message. And so I think there's practical truths that we can apply to all of our lives from the scriptures, and we want you to Follow along with us today. These sermon notes are going to be on the screens. They're also on our church website, fcbc.life. But today, I want to tell you that parents are my heroes because parenting is not easy. It is not easy. I started pastoring when I was 19 years old. I had parents coming to me for advice. I was single and had no children, but I had good advice. And so I had three good sermons on parenting, but I had no children. I now have three grown children. I don't know if I have any good sermons on parenting. <laughs> it is not as easy as I thought it was, looking from the outside in. But here's what I do know, that we can find wisdom in God's word. And that's the place that I've learned to go to and to look to when I find parenting to be difficult. Not long ago, I heard Ray Romano, the comedian, say, having children is like living in a frat house. Nobody sleeps, everything's broken, and there's a lot of throwing up. <laughs> and if you're a parent, you know exactly how that feels. And some of you, maybe you are parents, you're single parents, or perhaps you are parents who work and you're traveling for your job. In our church, we have many military families, and you guys you are my heroes, the way you have to handle deployments and moves and even the dangers of our world. We have parents in our church who have shared custody of their children, and there's always a, a unique balancing act that goes with that. We have families in our church that are blended families. We have families in our church where their children are off at college and we have others who their children are now grown and they're adults and they've started their own family. We have perhaps people right here who are grandparents or great-grandparents. Let me see your hands in the room if you're a grandparent or a great-grandparent. Absolutely. Is it as fun as they say it is, by the way? Yeah, that's what I've heard people say. If you'd have known it was going to be this much fun, you'd have had the grandkids first, right? We've got people in our church who are parents of teenagers. And I, I, I know you because you came in late and you had your coffee. And uh, it, was, it was Mark Twain who once said, when a boy turns 13, put him in a barrel, close the lid, feed him through the knot hole. When he turns 16, plug up the knot hole. <laughs> so, sometimes parenting teenagers can be difficult. Some of you, some of you are like Donna and I, your kids are are grown, but they're not fully gone, but they're at that, that transitioning stage. They're finishing college or, or about to get married or they're starting college, and that's a unique time of our lives. And I don't stand here today as an expert on parenting, and I don't want my children to say amen here. I stand here as a fellow traveler on this journey of parenthood, and I stand here not only as a parent, but also as the pastor of this church, because if you have kids, we love partnering with you along your journey that God has you on. Or if you don't have kids at home, 
This church is a, an extended community of faith for our families and for this community. And through your ministries and your giving and your serving, you are helping families, whether you realize it or not. You're creating environments where families can feel loved and cared for, but also, most importantly, so they can discover God's wisdom for this journey that they are on. And parents are my heroes because they often struggle with self-doubt. Parents will ask themselves the question, either verbally or internally, am I doing this right? We, we don't want to mess it up. We want to be found to be good parents for our kids. And there's a lot that just doesn't prepare you for parenthood. There's no book that can really help you that's written by some secular author and you can find yourself at some question or some stage of your parenting where you're asking, am I doing this right? So we need wisdom. And I believe we can turn to God's word and we can find the only source that's infallible that will guide us and will help us. Now, one of the reasons our church places such a strong emphasis on families is not because we don't love other stages of life and the people who are in those stages. But we recognize that these early years of a child's life are called the formative years for a reason. They're being shaped and molded and formed and fashioned in every single way, physically and mentally and emotionally and relationally and even spiritually. And we believe that God's people ought to be intentional in helping parents take the most out of those formative years. And so we don't want to just neglect those years and assume that things will work out well. We want to provide a practical environment and practical teaching from God's word and a support system with your church family that helps you in this journey. I can promise you this, the world's not waiting to influence your child. The world will teach your child, will influence your child, will seek to inculcate their beliefs and behaviors into your child. Sometimes those are great and they're helping you and they're reinforcing what your children are learning at home and at church. But other times, what the world is pushing and what the world is teaching and what the world is modeling and what the world is applauding and what the world is encouraging is antithetical to what you teach at home and it's totally opposed to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can neglect coming alongside of children and families, but if we do so, we will do it at our peril because these are formative years. And here's the bottom line today. I like to give you a bottom line so you know where I'm going. Sometimes uh, I don't have three points. I hope I at least have one. I hope I don't preach many pointless sermons, uh, but, but I, I do have one point today that I wanna, I wanna help make you aware of, and that is this. Start your child on the right way right away. Start your child in the right way, right away. Now, immediately, some of us are saying, whoa, I wish I could go back and capture some of those early days or years because I wasn't maybe as intentional or I made some mistakes or I wish I could go back, and we can't. But what we can do is start today. Start where we are by God's grace and take advantage of these formative years. Or if our kids are grown and gone, we can still, through our example and through our own personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, model for them what it looks like to be on the right path. Or we can partner with families through our church to help this. 
Now, here's where I get this bottom line. Start your child on the right way right away. I get it from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Can I read it to you? I'll put it on the screen. You may want to open up your own copy of God's Word so that you can see it with your own eyes. That's how you learn the Bible, learn where things are by you finding it yourself. But in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, we read this. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of you have heard that verse before today? You'd already heard that, right? This is actually a passage of scripture that has come into popular culture. Even people who don't go to church or don't read their Bible wouldn't even know this is from the Old Testament, have heard of this. It's come into our modern understanding, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. But it's actually wisdom from God. It's wisdom from God's word. But when I read this, immediately, and maybe for you the same thing, immediately you start thinking of exceptions. Wait a minute. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. But I know so-and-so who was raised in church, raised to know God, raised to love Jesus, raised to sing the songs and to, to memorize the Bible verses, but now they're not walking with Jesus. So maybe there's an error in the Bible. Maybe there's a mistake in the Bible. Maybe this is not true. But listen, I think it's important for you to understand that Proverbs 22, verse 6 is a proverb, not a promise. We sometimes treat the book of Proverbs like they're ironclad promises. But the book of Proverbs is actually a way of using images and words to communicate truth of how things generally work in the world. In the book of Proverbs, there's a father writing and talking to his son, trying to impart wisdom to his son. Son, there's only two ways to live your life, a wise way and a foolish way. The fear of the Lord is wisdom, living for your own flesh, and the world is a foolish way to live. And so here we get this proverb that reminds us that this is a way to remember how the world works. Parents, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. You start that child early, and you have those formative years to mold and shape that child. And you can can help the direction of their life. When Don and I first moved in our home, uh, we planted trees in our yard. Uh, We've since had to take those trees down because we've been there 20 something years. I don't know how long we've been there, 25 years in our home. And, uh, but what we did is we put those trees there and we had to put stakes on those trees to make sure that they grew in the proper way and make sure they grow straight. In the backyard, a storm came by. And after the storm, one of those East Palatka hollies had shifted. The root ball shifted and the trees shifted. And I didn't think much about it. But you know what I discovered? It made it easier and easier for that tree as it continued to grow, to grow in the wrong direction because I didn't take advantage of those early formative years to direct it in the right path. That's the proverb that we have here today. And hey, good to see you too, by the way. Nestor, good to see y'all. I'm sorry, I just, I just have those moments where I, I'm talking and I see people I haven't seen forever. Myrtle and Nestor are here. But this is a proverb. It's not a promise. We all know exceptions to the rules. I was thinking this morning of a woman named Elizabeth, a godly, godly woman. Um, lived in the 1700s, loved the Lord. She was married to a very hard, unchristian man. He was a sailor. And because of that, he was often gone. And when he was home, 
There wasn't much love. There wasn't much care. There wasn't much Christian spirit in that home. But she loved Jesus. God gave her a child. And as she held that baby in her arms, she dedicated that child to the Lord. She said, Lord, I give him to you. I'm the only godly influence in his life. His dad's a moral man, but he doesn't know you. So help me to help him know you. She did her best. She only had her child for right at seven years before she died of tuberculosis. But she used every one of those seven hard years to teach her child about the Lord. And it looked very promising in those early days. She'd even dedicated him to being in the ministry. God, I think you're going to call him to serve you and to reach others for you. But after his mama died, two weeks before his seventh birthday, he was thrown into the care of a father who was hard and who was often absent. He was passed around to family and members to care for him. And at the age of 11, he left home, ran away. And for the next many years of his life, it was one of the most sinful lives you can imagine. Sexual debauchery, involved in the slave trade, working on ships that were taking captives from West Africa and selling them in slave markets all around the world, including right here in America. This is not, this is not the way she wanted her boy to live his life. But the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, parents have their part, don't they? They have their part to play. Train up, dedicate, direct, raise your child. That's your part. You got to do your part. You have to be intentional. You, you're intentional when it comes to their physical lives. You're intentional to make sure there's food on the table and shelter and clothes on their back. You make sure they have a good education. You make sure they're involved in sports and activities. But you also need to make sure that spiritually and morally you are training up your children. And that's the direction that the proverb is talking about, training up in a spiritual direction to know the Lord and to fear him and to live for him. Train up a child in the way she go, and even when he's old, he won't depart from it. But we know there are exceptions to those rules. And if you're a parent whose child has gone astray, it breaks your heart. And you can come here and hear this verse and just feel condemned, condemnation. But can I remind you of something? You have your part, but your child also has his part or her part to play. In fact, if you're, if you're a kid, I want you to listen to this. If we got kids in the room, I want you to listen to this. It's in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. This is where the dad is talking to his son, but this could be a mom talking to her daughter. I mean, listen to not just the parent's responsibility to train up, but the child's responsibility. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My child, listen. How many times have you said that as a parent? We could just start right there and camp out here and have a whole sermon. My child, listen to what I say. And here's another one. Treasure my commands. Verse two, tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Verse three, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Verse four, search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasure. Verse five, then will 
you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. And verse six says, for the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. It's not just a parent's responsibility to train up a child. It is a child's responsibility to want to listen and to learn and to heed and to obey and to treasure. And mom and dad, as much as you want, you can't control that side of the equation. You know why? Because when God created us, he created us with what we call free will. He's given us all this wonderful gift of being able to make our own decisions, being morally responsible agents in this world. Otherwise, God would have created a race of robots who were programmed from birth to do the right thing. But God didn't want robots. He wanted a relationship with his people. So he had to give us a choice to love him and obey him or not. And sadly, our children often make wrong choices because like you, they've got a free will, stubborn will, hardened will, selfish will. And sometimes they will make the wrong decisions. The New Testament says something similar. Ephesians chapter six, verses one through three. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. If any grandparent wants to crochet this, for their, their kids so they can put it up on the wall of the house for the grandkids to see, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now Paul quotes the Old Testament, the fifth of the Ten Commandments out of Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Children, obey. It's not just a parent's responsibility to teach and to model, it is also your responsibility to humble yourself to the authority that God's placed in your life through your parents. Come alongside and help them. And whenever you don't, you may find yourself suffering the consequences of it. And in that moment, you'll go back and realize your parents were wiser than you thought they were. Here's one thing I've learned. The older I get, the wiser my parents seem to have become. I used to think they were so dumb and outdated and old-fashioned and not in touch with the times. And yet the older I get, the more I realize how grateful I am for parents like God gave me. So parents, maybe you, maybe you have a child who has gone astray, not living for the Lord. I want you to not lose hope. In fact, the path your child may be on could just be a detour, not their final destination. It could just be a detour that they are on, not their final destination. But do not give in to guilt and condemnation and don't give up on them. In fact, we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Let me tell you a second thought here. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 shows the purpose of parenting. Whenever the Bible says train up a child, it's saying there's a direction you ought to be thinking about. That's true with any kind of training or instruction. If you go to a class where they teach you to play the piano, uh, the direction, the purpose is that when this is said and done, hopefully you'll know how to play the piano a little. In my case, very little. <laughs> or the direction when you, you take your child to, to uh, t-ball or to ballet and, and it's their first day and the, the, the goal is you've got a direction in mind. And the same should be true in our parenting. We've got to begin with the end in mind. What is it as a family do we want to see God do in our kids' lives? 
And the book of Proverbs tells us. It tells us where to train up our children. And this doesn't mean just make sure they have a good formal education. That's awesome. It doesn't just mean make sure that they uh, have food on the table and clothes on the back. That's important. <laughs> uh, DCF will show up if you don't do that. It doesn't just mean make sure that they're exposed to sports or ballet or drama or show choirs in my case. That explains a lot, doesn't it? That explains a lot for some of you. They needed guys and there were girls in show choir. I was smarter than I looked. Yeah, I wasn't the athlete, but I knew where the girls were. So I was in show choir and drama. I, I was with my dad, I'm off a tangent, I was with my dad uh, several, <laughs> several years ago at the hospital, one of his episodes, and I'm sitting there quietly as the nurse is working with my dad, and I saw her looking at me a few times as I'm sitting there quietly, and finally she said, are you Richard Powell? And I said, well, yes, I am. She said, I went to high school with you. She said, don't you remember me? And I said, well, you looked familiar, but I didn't want to you know, just look and stare. I didn't want you to think anything was inappropriate, but I thought you looked kind of familiar, but I've been gone 20 something years uh, from Lowndes County. She said, you would take me every morning from where I had to park at the very end of the property at Lowndes High School in your white Mustang and you would drive me to the front. And then after school, you would drive me back to my truck after class. So I do remember you now. I remember you now. She said, you always had a car full of girls on Friday nights as you cruised. <laughs> Ashley Street. I said, yeah, that was me. And they only wanted to be friends. <laughs> so it looked more impressive than it really was. They just wanted friendship. Okay. I have no clue where I was going with that. <laughs> but Proverbs 22 verse 6 shows us the purpose. We've got to have a direction. We've got to know what we're trying to, to accomplish. Go, go with me. Go to Proverbs 22, 6. <laughs> Let's look at that verse again. Train up a child, here it is, in the way he should go. There's a purpose. There's a direction that this child needs to go. Now, some people say what that means, the way he should go, means that they're all different. And every child has their own personality and their un unique uh, gifting. And, and that's true. We all know that. We have three children. They're all three different. Raised in the same house with, I think, the same rules, but they're different. So, so I agree with that. And you need to take into consideration your parenting, the personality of your child. You need to take into consideration of that. But whatever personality your child has, whatever their desires are, whatever their giftings are, we all have the same goal in mind. The direction they need to go is towards the Lord. The direction they need to go is to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Jesus is the one who said, what will it profit a person if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? It doesn't matter how good we are at giving our children all the things of this world. The direction we need to train them up in is to know the Lord. And as much as depends on us and the grace of God, we ought to seek to introduce our children to the Lord. If Proverbs chapter 1 verse 4 says, these Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. They need insight and wisdom on how to handle finances and how to handle their anger, how to handle alcohol, how to handle peer pressure, how to handle sexual temptations, how to handle their money. All of this and more is in the book of Proverbs. 
But we also teach them the whole scriptures because it is not just knowing these things. It is knowing from whom these things flow. It's God. God has a plan for your life. It's a good plan. He wants the best for you, but you've got to let him be the Lord of your life and obey him and follow him. That's why we read in, in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. We're all going to stand before God one day and give an account of what we did with his word, what we did with his wisdom, what we did with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and how we've lived our lives. And so parents, that's the direction we're trying to teach our kids, is to spiritually and morally know the Lord. I love that in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It's not on the screen, but in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, you catch a glimpse of Jesus when he was just a child. And the Bible says that he grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and people. Isn't that what we want for our kids? Isn't that what we want for our grandkids? Isn't that what we want for the kids in this community who are going to grow up and make decisions that impact the rest of us when they're in charge? We want them to grow in wisdom. We want them to grow in stature, be healthy. But we also want them to grow in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord and in the favor of God and the favor of people. Jesus really clarifies it in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. He's asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Verse 39, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, on these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Parents, you want to do something? Train up your children to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love their neighbor as themselves. I don't know about you, but that solves all the world's problems right there. If we would just learn to put God first and to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. Imagine how this world would be different if we would just do that. You say, that's a, that's a daunting task because we can't do that. No, but by the grace of God. You know that mom, Elizabeth, who died two weeks before her son turned seven years old? She named him John. It's a great name. And like I told you, John grew up and lived a wicked life. But in one of those storms out on sea when he thought he was about to die and meet his maker, he knew if he died in that moment, he would burst hell wide open. And it shook him to his core. Somebody had given him a book called The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. And he thought, I'll read that book. So while he was still on that ship, he read that book. God spared his life and the life of his fellow sailors. And he vowed to turn from his sin and to give his life to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He forswore the slave trade, never participated in it again, repented with bitter tears that he ever stooped so low and that he would have disappointed his mother 
if she had known all the things he had done. He felt called into ministry. Remember, that's what his mama had prayed. He felt called into ministry. A little church ordained him. He finally became pastor of a little church in Olney, outside of uh, Cambridge, England. He became a good preacher, good pastor, lived into his 80s. In his 80s, before he died, I think he died around the age of 82, he said, my eyesight is gone and my memory is not good anymore. But this I know and see clearly. I am a great sinner, but Jesus Christ is a great savior. I haven't forgotten that. You probably know John better by the words of the song he wrote. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I don't know about you, I wish that was a guaranteed ironclad promise, and there's no exceptions to that. I can't control that end of the equation. But as a parent, as your pastor, as a church, as grandparents, as families and friends and neighbors, we can take care of our side of the equation. Create a church and an environment that is helping parents train up their children in the way those children ought to go and trust the rest to God. So here's the application for us today. If you're a parent or a grandparent or maybe you don't have children at all, what can you do to influence this next generation? How about this? Why don't we start? I'm just going to give you two things. There's a million, but I'm going to give you two and I'm going to let you go. How about this? Lead the way as you show the way. Don't be a hypocrite telling your kids how to live if you're not willing to do it yourself. Oh, don't ever pick up these things. I would never do this. Why don't you stop then? Lead the way as you show the way. But how about more spiritually? Lead the way as you show the way to Jesus. Let your kids see you loving God, loving your neighbor as yourself. Because your kids are going to learn more from you by what they see, not just from what they hear. And then secondly, partner with the church as you parent. Partner with the church. Parents, we try to teach your children God's word, and then we give you all kinds of tools and resources, parent cue, uh, emails, Facebook pages, all kinds of training events, so that you can take what they're learning on Sunday and carry it into the week as a family to keep that conversation going. Deuteronomy 6, when they rise up, when they walk along the way, when you eat, when you lie down to go to bed at night, take those teachable moments and we try to help you do that. Take advantage, partner with your church, bring your kids here, show them how important it is by not just dropping them off, but you giving them their place, you come in your place and that you're here and you're active. And by the way, volunteer, volunteer to serve. Maybe it's not in the kids' ministry. We're not all wired for that. Uh, maybe, maybe, though, you'll serve in guest services or serve somewhere else in our, our church because we're all on the same team trying to help this next generation. And then most of all, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, whether you're an adult or a kid, let this be your day. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer, and right now, if you wanna receive Christ, you can do it right where you are, right where you sit, or if you're watching online, right where you are, you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Isn't that awesome? This is between you and God through faith in Jesus, and I'll lead you in a prayer that'll help you talk to God. Do business with him. If you wanna know more about what you've heard today, at the end of our service, there's a what is your next step area 
Uh, Pastor Matt and our volunteers will be there to help you take your next step, answer your questions, whatever it is we can do for you, we would love to do that. I'm going to be right here. I'm not going to be right here. I'm going to be right here. I kept thinking just to do a cannonball, but I got to preach and I don't want to be wet in the next service. So, um, so I'll be right here somewhere at the front. If I can help you in any way, you come and let me know that. That's our, our invitation to you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this reminder today, and there's so much left unsaid, but I pray that you would take what we have said and you would help us apply it to our lives, that wherever we are in our stage of life, that we would lead the way by, uh, by show the way by leading the way so that people can see that the first thing we can do is that we can dedicate ourselves to living for you. And that begins with trusting Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And if there's someone here who's never done that, I pray that this would be the moment for them. God, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment, they would say to you in their heart, dear God, I admit to you I'm a sinner. That's right, friend, pray in your heart. God will hear you. You you can pray right now. Say these words, dear God, I admit to you I'm a sinner. But I thank you for loving me in spite of my sin. You proved your love for me by sending Jesus, your son, into the world who gave his life on the cross for my punishment. He rose from the dead on the third day and he's alive and because he's alive, he can hear me and I say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I commit my life to you. I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. I receive your gift of love, forgiveness, and eternal life. Help me to learn more about you and to live for you in the days ahead. And today, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, or maybe you're watching online, if you just prayed to receive that, to receive the Lord, there's no magic in that prayer. But if you've turned from your sin and you're putting your confidence in Jesus today, welcome to the family of God. Don't be ashamed to let me know that. Nothing will make me happier than to know that you have trusted Christ. So take that next step. Use the Let's Connect card. Go to the back of the auditorium. What is your next step? And tell someone, today I've committed my life to Christ. In fact, Lucas led the way today. Your next step, get baptized. Go public with your faith in Jesus in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which is what baptism is a picture of. Heavenly Father, have your perfect will and way in the lives of each of us, and we'll give you the praise for the difference you make. In Christ's name we pray, amen.